Welcome to the Chronify Podcast. This is Ben Miller. In today's episode, titled Scarcity, I dive into how to level up your financial life without getting devoured by a scarcity mindset. Before we get to that, if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to leave a review. That's a great way to make sure more people find out about us. Now, let's get to the episode. Today's episode is titled Scarcity. At the root of traditional economics lies a single concept, scarcity. Simply put, Scarcity refers to any situation where more of something is desired than is actually available. Life is riddled with examples of scarcity. People want more money than they have, so money is scarce. People want more time than they have, so time is scarce. Scarcity occurs in virtually every commodity across the entire world. And yet, in self-help circles, people are willfully ignorant to the existence of scarcity. Even mentioning something as innocuous as the existence of a trade-off between one thing and another is liable to be seen as evidence of a scarcity mindset. And a scarcity mindset is a big no-no. But like all things, balance is the key. You don't want to fall headlong into a full-blown mindset of scarcity, but you also don't want to plug your ears and shut your eyes every time a trade-off appears. Today we're going to explore two successive ways to level up your life in light of the fact that scarcity exists. Taking responsibility and taking ownership. Lifestyle gurus may want you to manifest your way into a life of abundance, and they're not all wrong, but if this message hits you when you haven't yet taken responsibility for your life, it may do more harm than good. If you have not yet embraced the truth that you can't have your cake and eat it too, then the first lesson you need to learn is that hope is not a strategy, at least not on its own. If you want to avoid a cat food retirement, you need to acknowledge that money spent today is not available to be spent tomorrow. This is a simple lesson, and we won't spend a lot of time on it because if you're reading or hearing this right now, you're likely already taking responsibility for your financial life. Taking responsibility for your finances involves a clear-eyed awareness of the costs involved whenever you spend money. When you spend money, you must acknowledge that that money is no longer available to support you when you either cannot or will not work to earn more money in the future. Far from being evidence of a scarcity mindset, the act of saving for the future is actually evidence of an abundance mindset. Saving for the future requires the belief that there is indeed a future worth saving for. A full-blown scarcity mindset would lead you to believe that no such future will come and you may as well spend everything you have right now. A person who has taken responsibility for her finances is willing to bet that tomorrow's self is worth taking care of as well, and this sense of abundance of moments worth enjoying leads her to spread her resources among more than just this present moment. However, some people get stuck on level one. They take responsibility for their financial lives and diligently save for the future. They carefully account for the costs entailed in spending money. They vehemently refuse to overspend but they are often liable to fall into the ditch on the other side of the road. They oversave. Taking this wisdom of personal responsibility too far can turn us into cavemen of a different variety. I've spent a lot of time in my life in an indiscriminate, saving good, spending bad rut. The problem with taking that approach is that scarcity rears its ugly head in a different way. When I had a job that I saw only as a means to an end, the appreciation that saving money was a way to speed up my exit from that stage of life packed a huge emotional punch. I scoured my financial life for ways to save an extra penny. I kid you not, the thought crossed my mind that it was better to use the restroom on the way out of the office than as soon as I got home, because then I'd save money on hand soap. I was so hell-bent on saving money that I was neglecting the present enjoyment of the moment. 
My caveman mentality made me feel like I was committing a crime against my finances if I didn't save as much as I could. In my head was a mentality of financial independence ASAP, then happiness eventually. That was exactly backward, and as a result, I was oversaving. It took a long time before I was ready to level up once more to taking ownership. One of the keys to understanding the next stage of financial evolution comes under the header of investment. A person who has achieved level one and taken responsibility for saving for the future may be liable to fall into a ditch of feeling queasy every time a dollar leaves his wallet, but there's a good chance he's willing to make exceptions to that money out equals bad equation. Those exceptions are called investments. If spending $100 today on a share of stock gets me $108 a year from now, he reasons, then that's not spending, it's investment. Because there's an explicit money-on-money return for that purchase, it gets waived through the approval process as the wealth doesn't feel like it has left the building. Because many of us are fixated on money, it often requires an explicit money-on-money return like this to justify breaking our own rule that parting with cash is guilty until proven innocent. It's only because we're not actually losing money that we're willing to bend that keep-it-in-your-wallet guideline. A temptation can arise and be leveraged by marketing wizards to use the momentum of this exception for dubious ends. Spend your money on healthier food isn't exactly a compelling message. However, invest your money in healthier food carries some real weight. No, we won't get a financial return on buying healthy food, but framing the decision in terms of investment encourages us to mentally emphasize the benefits of the purchase rather than the costs. There is a sleight of hand happening here, as the definition of investment is being broadened to include payouts in terms other than dollars and cents. But the principle of examining benefits as well as costs is sound and plays a big role in the next way to level up. So now we come to level two, which is taking ownership. Should we restrict the definition of an investment to a purchase whose returns are positive strictly in terms of money? There is a temptation among the level one crowd to do exactly that. But let's think for a moment about what saving is for. Saving is always and everywhere simply an act of deferred consumption. If you don't spend it now, you or your heirs will have to spend it later. Otherwise, there was no point in saving the money at all. Investing with an eye to monetary payout is thus only half of a solution. Step one is achieved, growing the amount of money that's available to be spent. But step two is left dangling, figuring out what is worth actually spending money on. It's here that we're forced to confront an uncomfortable truth. Investing with only an eye for growing your number of dollars gets you only halfway there. For the investment to be worth it, it must enable you to convert those dollars into something worth purchasing. So we're left right back where we started, with the same conundrum about what constitutes a worthwhile way to part with cash. To achieve financial maturity, we must not only take responsibility for saving, but also take ownership of spending. Growing the amount of money in your brokerage account gets you absolutely nowhere unless it enables you or those you love to purchase things that would make your lives better. It's up to you how far you want that circle of those you love to expand, but the principle remains the same. If you never feel good about spending now, then what makes you so sure that you'll feel good about spending in the future when you're reaping what you've sown into your investments? When faced with this issue, many of us instinctively punt. 
reasoning that an older and wiser version of ourself will know what good spending is. But why? And wouldn't you rather give your older and wiser self some experience to leverage when making those tough calls? We owe it to ourselves to not only spend money on ourselves in the here and now, but also to feel good about it. We owe it to ourselves to replace that vague anxiety that attends the departure of money from our wallet with a clear-eyed sense of ownership and intentionality of the decision to spend. To aid in this process, it's crucial to know what the difference is between bad spend and good spend, so that while you diligently reduce the former, you can wholeheartedly embrace the latter. A big part of knowing the difference stems from seeing where each of these items fits into your life as a whole. Surprise, surprise, a great way to do that stems from looking at things in terms of time. That's what we do with our habit calculator at Chronify. You may run your numbers and see that your sushi habit is delaying your retirement by three months. That doesn't tell you what to do, but it does give you the knowledge you need to make the right call. If you hate your job and you'd be just as happy with ramen, then cut it out so you can quit sooner. Or, if you're like me and you love your job and your sushi habit is date night with your wife, you may think that sounds like a pretty good deal and stand willing to continue spending on the habit with a sense of ownership and intentionality every time you're signing that check at the restaurant. In my case, investing in the relationship that's at the bedrock of my family is hard to beat in terms of overall return. It's something I stand ready to do now and indefinitely because it's aligned with my values. Other examples of potentially good ways to spend money abound. You can join a gym, drive a safer car, live in a safer neighborhood, make memories with your family on vacation, or get preventive medical care. The list goes on. Knowing your numbers is crucial in determining what's aligned and what's not, and with that data in hand, you can be more effective at identifying places to spend less. But perhaps more importantly, you'll also be more effective at identifying places to spend more, or at least more happily. Level one of financial evolution involves acknowledging the cost of your spending decisions, but level two involves becoming aware of the benefits of your spending decisions. To take the right approach to your finances, you must do both. Saving money is just delaying spending, and it's sometimes the right move to pull the first fruits of retirement forward and practice good spending in the here and now. Doing so not only gives you the creature comforts that come with spending in the present moment, but also the experience to leverage when making good spending decisions in the future. Spending money at this moment is a choice. You could always save it for tomorrow. Time, on the other hand, is something we're forced to spend at every moment. Whether you like it or not, one hour from now, you will have spent an hour on something. If that something was worthwhile, you won't feel bad about spending the time. You won't even feel indifferent. You'll feel downright good. Likewise, the money we have will either be spent by us or by our heirs. It's up to us to choose to spend it well. But if we take ownership and do it the right way, we can get away from a scarcity mindset and embrace the feeling of abundance that is present in performing a job well done. Your money is yours. You shouldn't squander it by spending it on useless things. But you also shouldn't squander it by failing to spend it on things that matter. Take ownership of your wealth and stand ready to spend bravely and intentionally on what matters. Not just in the future, but here and now. 
Thanks a lot for listening. If you're interested in learning more about how to spend your time and money intentionally on the things that matter, check out chronify.com. We'd love to help you out.